0: Welcome to the Activist Podcast, where we give you insight into current social issues through the perspective of those fighting for change. I'm your host, ZLR. In each episode, I have a conversation with the guests who will tell you their story, their mission, and how you can help as a member of this activism-driven community. If you have someone you think we should interview, DM us on Instagram at Activist Community. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Specials, guys, are actually the co-founders of Activist, Ethan and Will. Welcome, guys, to the podcast. Thank you. We're very excited to be here.
1: Thank you, Z. It's a pleasure.
0: Of course. How about we start with you guys introducing yourselves to all of our listeners? Let's start with you, Ethan. Yeah,
2: I'm Ethan. I live in Sudbury, Massachusetts. I go to Bryant University. I'm studying environmental science and minoring in sociology and business management. Um, I'm the donation coordinator for BFED, which actually Vanessa, the president, uh, came on here for the very first podcast. And um, yeah, that's about it.
1: Um, I'm Will, I'm from downtown Boston. I'm a psychology major as of right now i'm thinking about doing a double major with business as well for kind of more work like this um and i also do a lot of graphic design photography and artwork in my spare time and i am going to be working for um, my school soon on doing some graphic design work for um some news pages
0: uh related to activism as well Um, yeah for skidmore awesome and you know the goal of this uh, current podcast is just so all of our listeners can get to know both of you better and to learn more about Activist as a whole so I think it'll be great if we start with how activists came to be like how did you two found and get the idea to create Activist?
2: yeah so about At the beginning of December, Will and I, we were coming back from a road trip we did to the Great Smoky Mountains with a few friends, and we were all tested before and tested after. But on the way back, we were listening to Obama's new book. Um, Do you guys remember what it was called? The Promised Land. Yeah. And on the way back, we started talking about how we wish we knew more people who were just so driven about making change uh, and like a positive impact. And then from there, we started talking about creating a community and
1: we came up with activists. And yeah, to add on to that, I think each of us were frustrated with the lack of a place to organize things of the nature that we're posting um, right now on our Instagram, for example. Um, Not only that, but just there is no centralized place for people to come together that is just devoted to what our mission is, which is to make activism easier and more interconnected, more accessible to everyone so that everybody can speak their voice. Um, that's part of what our mission is. You know, right, right now we're on Instagram and we want to expand out of this space eventually, um, which is a big part of what we're trying to do.
2: And to have it more like a community as well. Like we don't want it to be a one-sided thing where we're just telling people about these things, but rather connecting people and actually forming that community in which we can all work together to make the changes we'd want.
1: Yeah. Um, and last little bit off of that, I think, too, inherently on a platform like Instagram, it is very one-sided. It's hard to break the mold that Instagram kind of forces upon you, yet it's one of the most easily accessible social media platforms that people use right now. And so to garner the beginning of our community, you know, we kind of feel an obligation to start there because there's a lot of people that are our age that are very passionate about societal issues and systemic changes that need to take place. Um, And this is just a great place to find those people, to find those young and passionate voices. Um, and, you know, eventually we want to create a a place that is detached from that, where we can really take advantage of what other people have to say and not what we have to say necessarily and let those people shine and just be a catalyst for them. So a lot of what we've been doing in the past months has just been researching how we can best do that, whether it's creating, you know, new software applications using what's already out there. Um, yeah, we're working on on some some new stuff in in that regard.
0: Mhm. And you know, I like how how you spoke about, you know, one of your reasons creating an activist cuz that's what intrigued me to get involved with this project with both of you, you know. Anyone can create a subreddit, anyone could create an Instagram account, anyone could get involved and activism, whatever that may be. But let's take protests. For example, you could protest by yourself. I could have a protest on street A. You could have a protest on street B. But you know what's really powerful about activism is when you're creating chains together and you're protesting together, you know, creating that movement and creating that chains together, working as a community. That's what's so powerful about activism, you know, working together, which is why I love that the goal of activists is, you know, to create this community eventually, you know, whatever that may look like in the future. I think that's just really powerful, you know.
1: Building off of that idea, I think you know, you're talking about creating something that brings people together and expanding from the power of one and amplifying the power of the individual. Um I know, for example, that you know, a lot of debate in politics, right, is like whether we make societal changes from like a a small or big government level. Um, I'm personally um, of the opinion that it needs to come from both places to make for change. I don't think that simply just people giving their voice is enough. I think you know the government needs to reflect that. And needs to make the changes that the people are calling for, and that we need to elect officials that represent those changes that we want. And not that, that we're some sort of government, but I think the intersection between activists and kind of like something like a government, for example, is that we have the capability of taking people that are powerful on their own and giving them a network and an actual foundation to find other people and to like actually make changes that are interconnected between even large organizations. If we can achieve that, you know, it's not like a law, it's not, it's not some formal structure of government, but it's that branching effect that I think can be such a powerful catalyst.
0: And you know, speaking of community, I think you two as the founders of activists realized pretty early on that, you know, activists itself, like the team behind activists was going to need a community. So how did you guys build out the team to help you, you know, create activists? Like, how did you find people to help you grow it?
1: Um, I mean, I don't think all of our friends necessarily are, uh, like the top tier of engagement of of, in activism but i think what we are is we know a lot of people a that do a huge amount of activism in their schools like um one of our friends dina she goes to barnard and a lot of her friends are really interested in what we're doing and they're helping us find people to interview and other people that have a lot to share that necessarily or that we might not necessarily be able to share on our own.
2: I was just going to say that one of the main things we also were looking at was being intentional with diversifying our team. And we still are. We still want to improve on that. Um, But I think just our unconscious biases can sometimes lead us to unintentionally not diversify our team so we kind of have to intentionally do it um and we still need to completely work on that
1: but yeah like to be completely it's an ongoing process yeah um you know Ethan and I both grew up very privileged we're both you know for sure we're both just (laughs) white kids that grew up in the Boston area um and we are as aware of that as we could we try to be as aware of that fact as possible when we're doing this and you know we do acknowledge that you know in this call even right now it's just three men and so that's problematic to both of us we want to make sure that we have the women working on our team speaking as well they'll probably speak in the next few episodes Um, and then also just not having any kind of uh, top down structure you know I think Ethan and I felt this could be a good point to just talk as we came up with you know the idea and drove a lot of the 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 early stage development of what we're doing but by no means do we think we are the most important or even a fraction of the most important part of what's going on it's really not us at all um yeah we just you know I, i guess we put it together and that's all that that counts for right now yeah Um, yeah, we, oh, sorry, Z. I was just, I was going to say something about you specifically, uh, or all of us really, we're all also trying to, as we're aware of, you know, the need to diversify, I think we're reaching out to friends of ours and I'm finding some people right now at Skidmore Z too, that are interested in potentially, you know, working on expanding what we do, you know, we could, Definitely get into a bit of journalism, for example, um, and take what we do a a step further is right now, you know, since we are limited by Instagram and we do have to, you know, publish the content that we create, you know, it's harder to get a a community um, of, you know, content in this format right now. What we can do is find people in our own communities to publish things. And meaningful content that has the power to influence other people on our behalf and, you know, spread the word of what we're doing. Um, I think
2: this is, is also a good way for us to learn about many of these problems and especially like with the podcast, hearing people come on and talk about many of these problems. And-
0: yeah, I like... How you kind of approach this you know you're just getting starting with your friends and branching out to more people in your communities because anyone could be an at- an activist like you don't need a degree you don't need to clap to take a class you could just decide one day you know i'm gonna try and help make a change in the world you know i don't think i actually talked about this in the intro podcast but will and i actually attend skidmore college together um uh, we're both in the same grade. We used to work out together freshman year. That's how I met Will. And, you know, when he asked me to come on and be the host of this podcast, you know, I was a little hesitant at first, but then, you know, I realized as he explained to me what he wanted activists to be, you know, is a community created by activists for other regular people who are also trying to just make a change, you know, and in their in our communities in the world yeah. at large. It's like, yeah, sure. I don't know how to be a podcast host. But and I have a little experience being an activist, but you know I'm just gonna do it because, you know why not? You know, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean,
1: don't 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 cramp on yourself too hard though. Yeah, I mean you did all. I mean, you, if you want to speak about you know some of the things that you've done this past summer, you've told me about. Not to, I mean not to like shine any kind of special spotlight on any of us, but I think that can also be something. Uh, an interesting piece of context for people to hear about if you want to talk about that as well
0: yeah if you ask me like a month or like a um, five or six weeks ago i in the few podcasts we did i interviewed the head designer for impact like that's insane to me like impact literally has a million followers on instagram and i got to speak to the person who's behind a lot of those posts i got to learn and speak to the founder behind impact snacks, you know, they're trying to create a lot of change in the foods slash snack industry, you know, just other great people. And you know, I already knew coming into this podcast that I have a lot to learn. I always have a lot to learn. But just from the four podcasts I did already, you know, just the amount of knowledge that there is to be learned, amount of change happening in the world at the same time, you know, it's just incredible to see just like just from four short podcasts. I can't wait to see just like how much more I I learn about how I'm challenged to become more educated about certain topics as the podcast continues, you know? Yeah. So true. Um,
1: a learning experience for all of us. Um, uh, I think another part of, you know, what you're saying too is a lot of the people that I've had on or not, I have had on that you have had on, um, -hmm. You know our businesses, and they're not just nonprofits, right? They are for-profit organizations. I think, it in the beginning, I was like, wait, don't we want to only do nonprofits, or do we only want to promote, like quote unquote, and like obviously, this, you know, this isn't exactly accurate, but like completely selfless organizations. But like, now that I think about it, I don't think so, right? Because the the reality is everybody needs to make money. There is no shame in that. And promoting and encouraging companies and organizations that are doing those things that they already need to do, but with a social justice focus in mind, environmental just whatever pertains to like their the areas and the, the communities that they're serving through like the sale of like their their products, whatever that may be that's a good thing and like having things like this podcast just you know this is obviously super small and we're not impacting anyone yet in terms of like oh we're going to become a company that's (laughs) a socially good company just so we can get on the activist podcast like I'm not saying that but I think at least it's a start you know and I think there is a lot more incentivization for for for-profit companies to do good Partially because they feel the need to, I think people just in general, in the, in, especially with the pandemic and in light of all of the social causes that have kind of erupted as, as, a, as a, a consequence of this time, uh, people are motivated. And then also people feel um, pressured almost in, in a good way to do the right thing because
0: it is what people are demanding now. So, besides creating activists, activist, is there like a specific moment when you both knew that you wanted to become an activist? You know, you wanted to get involved in work like this. Is there a specific moment or is just something you've always been into for most of your life? Yeah, so for me, If I'm
2: going to be 100% honest, I wasn't that knowledgeable about many of these topics until I I would say maybe freshman year when I first started learning about climate change and then college of college. Yeah. But after. For all the other aspects of social change, like the BLM movement and all that. It came mostly during this past summer when the... What's the word? Um, resurgence. But when the resurgence of the BLM movement um, occurred and I attended some of the rallies and I worked to try to amplify some of the voices and do that but mainly I try to not be as much in the spotlight but as more just educating myself reading books and listening to podcasts and from there I just became passionate and continued to do all that and trying to amplify
1: people's voices now with this. I think I was fortunate to—I'd say the very beginning of my my passion about anything regarding to or in regards to social change probably be um, sophomore year of high school. I um, you know I uh, was dating a girl that um, that Ethan and I both know, and she is a very um, driven feminist uh at a time where you know i guess i'm saying this as someone that is in a lot of like liberal uh circles of thought but um you know even when i was uh, how how old was i like 14 something around there Uh, you know it was it was like oh you're a feminist and you know most men um or boys I guess at that time were just not uh we're not comfortable as labeling themselves as a feminist um and I was educated a lot by um by this person um and I realized how much of a privilege it really was to be a white man of color in this country uh and it it made me really angry you know and I benefit every day from the privilege that I have but it's it's really infuriating to to know that so many people don't necessarily see the extent to which they have the ability to use that privilege to help other people that are disprivileged um yeah that i'd say that was my moment
2: and it's not it's not even either that is just our outside appearances that are inherently the or that society has deemed almost like acceptable to some extent, but like our like, the fact that we are also just white, straight men that has a factor in and of itself that we don't have to worry about. Um, Yeah, but Z, what about you?
0: When did you start? You know, I went to I talked about this a little bit in my intro podcast episode, but you know, I'll say it again. I went to an all black elementary school with predominantly black teachers in all black neighborhoods. So there's a big emphasis on black history, you know, just black power growing up as a black young man in America. I knew from a young age that, you know, I'm only here living my life the way I'm able to because of all the activists that have come before me. So I knew when I grew up that I would want to continue the work of all these people that that I've learned about, you know, that have worked so hard that came before me. Then I think it was in 2012 or 2013 when Trayvon Martin got murdered. I was like, damn, I really wish I could do something because that's about the time when Black Lives Matter was found in the whole movement. But, you know, I was too young to really go out and protest or do anything in social media, really. So I was just having these thoughts to myself and my family, really. And then even then I was like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna become an activist when I'm older. And I've done a few tiny projects since middle school and high school, activist related. But it wasn't until this past summer, even before George Floyd, uh, it was actually the Amy Cooper incident. Uh, For those of you who are unfamiliar with this, it was a couple of days before George Floyd died. Uh, this there are two people in Central Park in New York City. One was a black man. He was a bird watcher. He was uh, bird watching in the park, and the other was a white lady, Amy Cooper. She's with her dog, and the dog was on leash. And the black man, uh, Mr. Cooper, uh, they're not related. They just have the same last name. He asked Amy to put her dog on a leash, and she got really angry at him for some reason. And she basically called the police and she changed her voice and tone and basically told the police on the phone that Mr. Cooper was attacking her because she knew that by changing her voice, her words, and her tone, that her voice became a weapon against this black man. And, like, he could have very easily died like when the police showed up, if they showed up thinking that this black man was attacking her and her dog. And so, basically, that just... That whole incident pissed me off. I took to social media immediately, It's like, Hey, New York, like this incident just happened, this could have been a lot worse than the news is making it seem. And then a day or even two days later, George Floyd happened, you know, that those two incidents just back to back, you know, it kind of lit a fire into me. I was like, I'm no longer a little kid. Like I've learned a lot since the days of elementary school. When I first knew I'm going to become an activist. You know it's time to use this knowledge all these little projects that i've worked on before and to you know just do something anything so i just basically you know i was like you know the whole amy cooper incident the this notion of like uh just like white words being used against uh black people and just like using this like this power dynamic has been here in this country forever so you have this white lady using her words against a black man you had you have this cop who is literally kneeling on george floyd's neck in broad daylight in no regards like well i'm no longer a kid so that's just that was like the fire that like really started it for me so i just i came super involved in the new york city protest scene last summer i basically tried to get involved in my old high school, and currently now in Skidmore College, I did a couple of uh, things with Skidmore College over the summer. I basically just I just started, you know, just becoming an activist and just looking for ways, got, got involved in some online projects. And you know, that's just really what it started. I was like, it's time to like use my knowledge and just, you know, just actually start being an activist. like I have no more excuses. So kind of a long answer. But yeah, that's my answer. What, what did your activism look like? Like, what specifically were you doing? Um, besides helping to organize and plan a few protests in New York city, I was, I was actually protesting. Mm-hmm. I was out in the street showing support. I was hoping some days I would just protest, other days I would go out and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just pass out supplies to the people protesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of my friends were photographers, so I would go out with them. And, uh, I know just basically, uh, the, while they were focused on taking photographs of the protests, I would make sure, you know, they're not walking into polls or stuff or just trying to, basically help them, you know, just do their work in whatever way I can. Then I got involved, um, uh, with this group who tracks police, who started tracking police brutality, brutality in the George Floyd protests. And we now have an online database. It's one of the. Biggest online databases for p- police brutality in the country. So I got involved with that. And then I started doing a whole lot of anti racist um, work and initiatives with my high school. And I'm still working on a couple of those initiatives with my high school. So, and then I would just have lots of conversations with people, like a whole lot. And then um, I hosted a couple of forums for just like a New York City teens just talking about you know what is happening right now how you could help make your communities more anti-racist so that's basically what i did uh last summer
2: and so when you did that and it seemed like there was a lot of support for the movement um but also there was a lot of backlash to it how do you feel that play or how do you feel about all that and the activism on social media as well?
0: You know, I kind of talked about this with uh, Cody when he came onto the podcast, but I'm a big fan of digital activism. I think it's great. and I think it's what made this new resurgence of Black Lives Matter different because I spoke about this with my friends in the very early days of the protests. And we were like, you know, this time it feels different because we weren't just seeing people that look like us marching in the streets or voicing their concern on social media. We looked to the left, then we looked to the right. We we're like, we we're like, what is going on? Like, there's a lot of white people out here marching with us. There's a lot of white people, you know, other p- people from other races being angry. And then we were like, there's protests happening in the UK now, they're like, Oh, Australia, India. And, you know, this movement was different, I, I think, because, well, one, our generation is now grown up. And I think it's because of digital activism, a lot more people can be aware of what's happening, and have access to a lot more opinions and resources, and just information in general, you know, so I definitely support digital activism as a whole. I think it does run into some problems, because a lot of misinformation can also be spread. But also, uh, Cody talked about this, you know, us here in this Gen Z generation, we're into memes a lot. And unfortunately, some people will turn these protests and movement into memes. and. You know, that's just not a reflection of the movement. In my opinion, that's a reflection of you as an individual. If you're going to turn something as serious as this movement, as all these protests into a memes, like it's one thing to cope with humor. And then it's another thing to like make a Hello Kitty cab meme. Like that's just, that's two very different things. I think too, social media is a reflection of like what's
1: currently within socially acceptable things to do and say um like the resurgence of the black lives matter movement was so powerful and so many people cared regardless of their race or you know identity in any other context that you know people were marching of all different colors and walks of life and people on social media were sharing it unapologetically i think you know, a few years before this, this like last resurgence, there was still a bit of unsureness from a lot of white people specifically on if, yeah, exactly. You know, people didn't really of, of the white majority really understand the true extent and benevolent ma- nature of you know what black lives matter is it's just a statement that is that black lives are meaningful and have a a a power and a purpose in our society just like any other lives um and it's not saying that anybody else is worth more it's just everybody's worth equal yeah. um yeah you know, and obviously you know this is this is if I were to say this now you know, and exp- explain this as a as a white kid to someone. Uh, not that I need to be doing that, but if I were to be doing that, you know, five years ago, who knows how controversial that statement might be or like, I, it, you know, inherently saying it once you explain it. Like, I, I don't think anyone has a problem with it, but I think if you said it a few, like five years ago, it would be like, well, what about everybody else? You know, I think even liberal circles would have like some like difficult, like hard time digesting what the movement was truly about. I think that's true with all the movements going on right now. I think social media is such a common space and such a such a, a a quick mode of of transportation for ideas that people that weren't necessarily super involved in caring about a lot of the things going on in our society now have the the easy access due to, you know, social media information just being spread quickly and misinformation, but importantly, good information, like what's being spread from impact. You know, people are able to be more aware and things are able to be like, quote unquote, trendy to be a good and like just person that cares about these social issues.
0: And, you know, for better or for worse, you know, digital activism slash social media, it can inspire people to actually get involved. Cause I know for a fact that me going on my own personal Instagram story and just sharing my thoughts, sharing resources, like it showed people, I basically demanded that people start caring and paying attention. I was like, you know, George Floyd could have easily have been me. I think just like, I don't know. I don't want to like take credit for this, but you know, I I think, I think just social media, it showed people that they should care. You know, they should give, you know, a damn about just like what is going on and to learn actually what black lives matter is about. So it shouldn't take social media to inspire people to get involved in something, you know, as serious as what happened last summer. But it did for a lot of people, which.
2: Yeah. And, and not having that exposure the only way I was really able to get exposed to many of these topics was through digital media. Um, And yeah, and, and I mean, I had many discussions with my parents about everything that was happening and being able to spread the awareness from social media to my family and then out to college where I, honestly go to a more conservative school, um, but can spread what I can there. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, like transversely, you know, Z and I go to one of the most liberal schools in New York state. Um, we're probably pretty famously liberal, um, on the East coast, uh, for a lot of reasons. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think for me too. It's like, uh, growing. I grew up in the city of Boston, so I've you know I still live in a a very privileged area in the city of Boston. But it it takes very little for me to be exposed to the massive amounts of like neighborhood gentrification that are present within like my own backyard. And that is in Boston, combined... like the number third most gentrified, yeah, so city the, in the world. For anybody that's, yeah, for anyone that's not a a Bostonian or even plenty of Bostonians are unaware of this, but the average net worth of a black Bostonian is seven dollars compared to, I believe, two hundred thousand. Yeah. And I will, you know, look that up right now to make sure. It's Um, pretty close, I'm pretty sure. Actually, I'll, I'll look it up later, but you can, it is that bad. Like, I promise it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars to literally a couple dollars so gentrification in boston is huge and you know growing up i was aware of you know at least an extent to how bad it was but i think you know all of us were social we're social creatures right and we care about things most when they impact the people that we care about so i think when i started seeing my friends speak out like literally z speaking out about how this could have been him you know with any of of these murders of 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 innocent black men or just you know friends of mine that are white or any skin color really just sharing the fact that they care about this too it makes everyone else feel more comfortable coming into that space For better or for worse, you know, we we want to go with the crowd and the crowd that, uh, you know, a lot of people on the East Coast are in is a is a very progressive crowd. And, you know, that's helped a lot, I think.
2: And just for a more specific number, it's eight dollars to two hundred and forty seven thousand.
1: So it's even worse. Yeah. One (laughs) dollar
2: more versus two hundred and forty
1: seven thousand yep that's per person and, th- and this was
2: this was back in 2018 so and it's gotten worse since then i'm pretty sure yeah so
1: no uh and if you go around boston you'll see you know just these towers shoot up all over you know all over every area of of these you know black and immigrant communities that are just for rent that you know people can't buy or if they can buy it they won't be able to afford them and it's flipping neighborhoods it's actually i do want to ask sorry no you're good
2: i was going to ask z about how he
0: felt about reparations for things like this i'm going to be honest with you ethan i support them but it's one of those topics that I've been meaning to research into just, you know, because of life or just other projects, I haven't been able to look to them as much as I would like, but surface level, I definitely support them. And I definitely believe that in the future, you know, certain groups should get reparations. So I can't really give you a full answer there. Cause I, it's not that I don't have opinions on it. It's just I don't want to say what I think because I know that I don't know enough as what I, as much as I would like to know about reparations to give you an answer that I would be, you know, totally cool with, but I, that's totally fair.
2: And, and so just for any listeners who might not be fully aware, could you maybe, do you have enough knowledge where you could talk about them to some extent and why
0: they would be good? Yeah. Or why you think they... You know, uh, the Civil Rights Act wasn't passed until 1964, 65. uh, Basically one of those two years. And, you know, before that, we had Jim Carrera. And before that, we had slavery. And... And Red red Line. Yep. So many things. And just, you know, the Native American population, they were removed from their lands. And then Black people were literally imported and forced to build this country's economy and they weren't really ever compensated for that and so reparations usually they're talked about uh monetarily but they could come in the form of other things like a like land or just a way to give back to you for what to i don't want to say repay because i think that's the wrong word but I think to acknowledge the people being held to acknowledge the wrong that was done in the past and to try and create a more uh, equitable, like a present day uh, society. You know, that's basically what reparations, the goal of reparations are. But they're usually talked about in terms of money.
2: Yeah. And you can't you can't expect people who have been held back for generations and decades millenniums to and then get rid of many of these things and then s- tell them to start the race while the other people have gone for like or have gone ahead for so long it, it's just not fair
1: uh, yeah yeah no, I, I yeah i think um you know re- one of the one of the biggest things that i'm aware of uh just because of where I live is, um, you know, redlining. And for anybody, you know, not that this has to be some sort of educational lesson. I don't think I'm even the best person to be doing that, but just for basic knowledge, redlining was done by uh, people in important positions of power and in real estate that basically outlined which areas were like good and bad uh, for like investment and like the sale the to be purchased um and it's highly racialized yeah yeah no on the on the on the basis of race and it would make it hard for um people of color to obtain uh loans and you know make investments and operate uh within any context
0: so now that you've both started the process of creating activists in this community where do you want to see activists grow like in a year or even five years from now? Like, what what do you hope to see activists doing?
1: Can I ask you that question? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear your answers, Z, to be honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. Where do you want activists to go? Where do you want what we're doing? and Well, what this
0: represents I want to see activists to grow to a point that, you know, if there is another... Large-scale movement like last summer. I hope there shouldn't need to be another large-scale movement like there was last summer But there ever is or just however small the movement is that activist is a place to go to like is built up enough so that activists can activist is built up so activist Can go and just you know connect with other people that are doing this work start conversations find resources you know, and just build a community community around their projects. Just find other people to build and grow, and just start creating change for these movements. And you know, like you know, if someone is scrolling on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, whatever podcast listening service you use, you know that they could see an episode. You know, they click on it and they learn about this person and their work, and they realize that this is just one small subset of this giant activism driven community that activists is a part of. Like, I want activists to be in a place where it is part of the conversation and it is being used to help create change in the world.
1: And to maintain yeah. it too. Yeah. I think that's, that's something that I, I just thought of from what you were saying there, like, it's great that we can potentially make a platform that can be utilized to make change in a response to a failing but you know obviously things for BLM are not done and for environmental justice and the transect between the two and anything else going on around the world Um, but as we start to fix things hopefully eventually we'll get them to a place you know in like years from now like we will get them to a place where we can actually be somewhat proud of you know, the status, the status quo of, of that point and, and maintain it and keep reinforcing, uh, the good work that's being done by companies and individuals and the collaboration between the two.
0: And, you know, as we end this podcast, something that just popped to my head is this question that I get at somewhat semi-frequently is, you know, how can you be so confident, you know, to like do things like host this podcast or just be an activist in general? You know that's you know there is no right answer and there's no wrong answer because anyone could be an activist anyone could start doing activism based work in their communities could be as simple as you know just signing up for a charity doing a work on the one weekend uh per month it could literally be something as big as trying to create an activist uh, community you know it just It really just starts with you, and it just starts by taking that first step, whatever that may be, whatever that may look like for you. Like, All you have to do is just try and make change, and that's how you become an activist. And be okay with not always needing to be right,
2: because, I mean, I know I'm not technically confident in doing all this because, I mean, I'm not 100% sure about any of this. Like, I'm being okay with just learning and not needing to be right about everything.
1: Yeah. And I guess the last thing I would say is, you know, labels are tough, right? Once you hear the word activist, if you aren't really engaged in any kind of activism, that's uh, that's intimidating and you feel uh, like you don't know where to start. Just do anything. If you hear something, just share it again. That helps. If you don't know something, read about it. Like if you have any kind of contribution that you can make monetarily or with your time, do it. Like you're technically an activist. Like it's not this coveted label that only select few individuals. Like it's not a Nobel prize. Just do things that you are capable of doing to help. And then once you've done those things, like do more if you can. Um, You know, for anybody that's white, that's listening to this or anyone that's really privileged at all, you know, your voice is not the primary voice that needs to be heard, but you need to use whatever kind of power you have within the society that we have to help any kind of societal change that needs to take place. If you see it, just do something. It's better than nothing. Yeah, that's all I can really say.
0: yeah, and I think that's a great way to end this podcast, you know. So thank you so much to Ethan and Will for coming on and speaking to us about how activists got created, their goals for it in the future. You know, just having a conversation with me about activism in general, you know, what it takes to be an activist. So thank you guys again, and thank you to all of our wonderful listeners for listening to episode five. Stay tuned for more episodes, and I'll talk to all of you then.